0: Hello, I'm Kim Katola, host of Cradle My Heart Radio. Our mission is preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. And our vision is to bring abortion recovery to the church. Reaching out to equip and encourage pastors, elders, ministry leaders, and others so they can minister God's love to the millions of Christians personally impacted by this moral crisis of our time. Saving lives and healing hearts, this is Cradle My Heart Radio. Find us online at cradlemyheart.org. Where can you find God's voice in the noise on reproductive choice? For over a million women and men each year, the question goes beyond politics to become much more pressing and personal, both before and after the choice. And we are called to love the little children just as God does. Listen to Cradle My Heart Radio with your host, Kim Katola, speaker, writer, and broadcaster, sharing God's truth to prevent abortion and help those it hurts. Learn more at cradlemyheart.org. So good to be with you and to have caught up our uh, pre-recorded summer programs. What a summer to pre-record messages and then the Dobbs decision happened so that (laughs) all of our messages that aired this summer after Roe v. Wade was overturned Uh, would have probably been very different conversations in light of that news because it really changed everything. But this program we're recording today will likely air here in the month of September, which is the month that we're in, so I hope it won't be too dated uh, by the time it makes it to air. I am your host, Kim Katola, and so pleased to be with you and so pleased to have come through a summer where so many organizations have deployed the vision. Everyone that I have spoken with who is working with the abortion wounded has had a vision for for the world seeing the need for the mission, for the work that's being done. And now I think it's really coming into focus. And I think that there is a unique moment where the message can be heard and received and those who need help can receive it. And I'm utterly convinced that the message of healing abortion wounds is preventive. You cannot hear someone's story of the devastation of abortion in their own lives and come away from it thinking that it was a net good that they had that experience to begin with. So, I'm very, very pleased to talk with our guest today, and I want to get right to that, um, introducing to you the CEO of Support After Abortion. Lisa Rowe is a licensed clinical social worker who has spent the last two decades equipping and empowering thousands of at risk children, hurting adults, and broken families to find hope, healing, and restoration. And her clinical experience, along with her organizational leadership, has put her into positions in government, nonprofit, private organizations uh, to grow their impact and increase their sustainability and leave a national imprint. Lisa, welcome to Cradle My Heart Radio.
1: Thank you, Kim. That opening was amazing, and I'm really thrilled to be with you today. Uh, I'd also like to add that second to an ultrasound is a woman's testimony after abortion, as the biggest influence to changing somebody's mind, so I'm really thrilled to be with you today.
0: Mm. is so it's so apparent. You know, a guest on the program said, "Well, you probably know her. Uh, we were we were interviewing Sheila Harper recently. Mm-hmm. and Sheila I do know her well. Sheila talked about how impressing upon a pastor, the idea that the offer of repentance after abortion, is made in the church, that that pastor no longer has to really preach against abortion. I mean, it's baked into the message, if you can repent this, wait, what is there to repent? Mm. And I think clearing up that moral confusion is such a big step that pastors and churches can take. You know, our, our focus here, Lisa, is on equipping and encouraging pastors and church leaders for preventing and repenting abortion in the church. Um, And I know that support after abortion isn't limited to faith-based options, which I really appreciate because I think there's been a need in the abortion recovery movement for um, evidence and evidence-based approaches if you're going to be talking about emotional and mental health. Now, obviously, if we're talking about the spiritual impact of abortion, let's stay in the church. But sometimes that that extends to a mental health issue. And I think most of us who are ministers of the gospel don't have that dual training. And so support after abortion, I think, is really filling a gap. Tell us about the organization and, and the vision, because even in the five, six years that your organization has existed, it's really evolved into something very cutting edge, I think.
1: Thank you. Yes. And so we were birthed out of a pregnancy center, and we originally thought that we were meant to be a clearinghouse for Southwest Florida. You know, our founder was really concerned that only 10 people were attending our local abortion healing programs in our community a year. And we knew that millions of people were impacted. And having had her business background, her marketing background, she knew something was underneath it. It was either a product problem or a marketing problem. So we went on the hunt anecdotally and uh, research-based to understand why in our community only 10 people were reaching out for help a year. And we quickly learned, Kim, that this was way bigger than anything we had ever thought. And we learned anecdotally that people didn't know where to go. They were struggling to meet face-to-face in a Bible-based program. Um, Shame and guilt are so strickening with abortion because nobody's talking about it. So that anecdotally compared with the research that said 9 out of 10 people don't know where to go after abortion for help, 10% of them said Planned Parenthood, which is hugely concerning. Uh, 80% of the research showed that they didn't want a faith-based program originally. Maybe down the road they would return to their faith, but initially... You said 80%. That wasn't 80%. Mm-hmm. Sorry to
0: interrupt, but I just I want That's to underline right. that. That's huge.
1: Yep. And then another 80%, uh, the really important statistic said we wanted anonymity initially. And so as we went about trying to understand how to mix all of this together, we learned that about 95% of the programs being offered to men and women who were looking for healing afterwards were faith-based. And they weren't communicating to one another, not intentionally. we People were just so overwhelmed. They had birthed these programs out of their heart. Um And so they were really kind of just focusing on their ministry. When Support After Abortion came along, (laughs) COVID hit, and we provided an online conference where leaders from across the globe attended 8,000 in fact and that's exactly where we learned God's design for Support After Abortion fully. It's a place for leaders. It's a place to build best practices. It's a place to become research-informed on how to walk with that man or woman and the family who's been impacted by abortion. So we still maintain a client connection through a Hope Line and through uh, several groups a year, but our main focus is to help build the capacity for abortion healing across the world because we know abortion is socially acceptable still, but nobody's talking about it. And so if churches, if our families, if our clinicians, if our doctors, If our friends, et cetera, continued to talk about abortion with compassion, like we do divorce and poverty and homelessness and domestic violence, we could change the paradigm um, within our cultures, within our neighborhoods and our communities uh, overnight. And so I don't think that the world understands, because we've all been groomed this way, that we've been programmed to push the abortion conversation into the political realm and the religious realm. And therefore, we've missed the human realm. And uh, we're really trying to bring the connection of all three of those facets together so that we can continue to heal people who've been impacted by abortion for nearly 50 years and four generations. And uh, we just know that this is the right way to handle this research-based and bringing all the leaders together
0: so where does where does the pastor who must confront this in his flock fit into the vision for support after abortion i know you've had pastors who have had um you've offered some great resources that i've seen on your um saa website how do you what do you say to the pastor listening today as to what your organization can provide to the local church
1: sure so Um, I don't want to, you know, frame a pastor in, but I've seen about three categories of pastors, pastors that speak to the abortion issue from a political perspective. Um, And we always encourage those pastors that if they're going to enter into those conversations, that they acknowledge the people in their audience or in their congregation who have experienced abortion. So when you talk about it as a moral issue, as a political issue, make sure to talk about the fact that there is healing and to remember who you're speaking to. When you have all the mothers stand up on Mother's Day, make sure you're understanding that there's mothers who've experienced all sorts of reproductive loss, fathers who've experienced reproductive loss. And uh, the second category of pastors are those that speak about brokenness and have healing ministries, yet they might have just been avoiding the abortion conversation, and not intentionally, but maybe because they just were much like me and didn't don't, don't have all the, the tools in their toolbox. But when you're talking about the brokenness of our world and you name those places like I did before, you know, sex trafficking, domestic violence, homelessness, um, divorce, make sure that abortion is one of those things that you're talking about. And if you operate a Celebrate Recovery or a women's Bible study, a men's breakfast, introduce the conversation about abortion so that it becomes a conversation that isn't excluded from the church or the brokenness conversation, and it's included in it. And then the third category is the pastor that says, "I am not touching that. <laughs> I'll have fifty percent of my con- congregation after church talking to me about it, and fifty percent who you know will email me later on." There's a way to talk about abortion where it's not offensive or um, or you know really drawing a line between black and white. There's a way to bring this to the human conversation, and if we're not talking about it as pastors, you can, you can expect that the other side will. And uh, I know pastors don't always feel she- like they're sh- supposed to shepherd the man or woman who has experienced abortion, but there's people in the congregation that need to be shepherded who are being called to help those men and women.
0: Mm. I think that—I uh, I love that. I, I'm sad that there is not a fourth category of, this pastor gets it and he regularly offers reconciliation. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're there like— There
1: not as frequent,
0: right? They're now. like I mean, unicorns, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, they well, are. And I say it lightly because I'm not angry about that as a woman who has— experienced my recovery from abortion woundedness in church and interacted Mm -hmm. with any number of pastors about it in the aftermath of that, because it's been 20 years on now. And part of my healing actually involved the Lord, a call from the Lord to tell of his love for everybody involved with abortion, that he's not angry and, um, you know, refusing us forgiveness, that he loves us and his love is you know, readily available to us, even to the pastor who may need to repent of his silence or of being in one of these groups that you've mentioned. Uh, Recently I attended a new church to me and noticed that they had not only a lot of material from the local pregnancy resource center, but they also had that center's brochure about their healing outreach. And Mm -hmm. I was really surprised because the times that I've seen that in any church, I could count on one hand And so I sought the pastor and said, I want to commend you for that. It's very rare. And he said, really? And I Mm -hmm. thought, oh, wow, so you're enlightened, but you really don't know (laughs) the state of the darkness in many, many churches for that person who's looking for the church to become a safe place. Mm -hmm. Um, The pastoral outreach, I think, is so challenging. And I'm wondering what what you feel is the best way for someone who is a church leader here trying to impress upon their pastor the need, because, you know, even this request, just mention, hey, when you talk against abortion, mention there is healing available. I've made that request personally to a number of pastors, at least a half dozen that I can recall by name, you know, as I think about it, and it just doesn't happen. I don't know if there's, they believe they'd be watering down the message. Um, maybe give us some coaching on a winsome way to have this conversation with your pastor, or if you're a church leader, you know,
1: with your boss. Yeah, and I think, let's face it, pastors are human too. Yes, and of And their doors are being knocked on every day with a new issue and new conversation. And I think the best way to do this, and, and I can't take credit for this, this was another church member who mentioned this, is about relationships. It's about creating that relationship with the pastors, with the leadership at the church, and really cultivating an understanding personally of how um, maybe that individual's been impacted or what they've learned about abortion and abortion wounds. Uh, you know, as a therapist, Kim, I, I went to a secular grad program, I hadn't I haven't been personally wounded by abortion I have many friends that have been I have family members that have been and I did not understand the impact in fact we never really talked about it at home and so it wasn't until I actually entered into the pregnancy center work and my friends started coming out of the woodwork and I started meeting clients that I began to personally connect to the issue of abortion and I don't think pastors are much different. I think that until it becomes personal and right front and center, and they understand that this is something that nearly maybe half of their congregation is dealing with, you know, between miscarriage and abortion, um, that I don't think they understand the significance. And again, because we're programmed as a culture to see this as a political and religious issue, They forget that there's people needing shepherding in their congregation. And so to show them the sheer numbers of people impacted, um, that this is a lifelong recovery process, you know, through every stage of life, what women and men have taught me is that it's not just the first time I recognize that um, I lost a child to abortion. It's their first birthday. It's their 10th birthday. Mm. It's their graduation from high school, college, grandchildren. And so you have people in your, your congregation who are 19 who just experienced abortion or are planning to have an abortion, and you have people that are 70 years old who have said, I'm not telling a single person, and they're getting to the end of their life and beginning to feel huge, deep wounds from this. And, uh, and until that pastor sometimes gives that permission, we don't, we don't give the, these people the opportunity to begin to heal. So um, it is. it starts with the relationship and then making it personal to that pastor. Well,
0: and I think we need to give credit, too, to maybe there's some in, intuitive sense that they have that, okay, according to your consumer research, nine out of ten people who are abortion-wounded aren't coming to church for it. They're not in they his aren't. office. They're not—you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So to put the burden on him to create an outreach for people who aren't coming is— uh, it's a little absurd, even as I hear myself say it. <laughs> so, so, and I know that um, I've done some of the trainings um, with support after abortion through Life Perspectives, an organization mm-hmm. that Michaeline Friedenberg um, started with. Uh, abortion changes you as an, an alternative to pregnancy centers having only faith-based options for the client who says, yes, I had an abortion and I was impacted by it, but no, I don't believe in God, and no, I'm not going to your Bible study for my relief. Mm -hmm. And um, the approach there is to talk about reproductive loss and to talk about you know abortion woundedness and to talk about it in ways that are, um, again, evidence-based. So let's talk about that as a resource that pastors and church leaders can tap into um, we don't, you know, with other life issues, we don't always necessarily, you know, believe that it must only be a faith-based approach any more than we would with any medical problem, right? I mean, <laughs> your spleen is an organ and you might need some <laughs> insulin if you, your pancreas, you know, as an organ uh, if you have diabetes. It's not just going to be a prayer and spiritual issue, though, of course, there's a place for it. So uh, talk about the role of mental health as it impacts and inter- interacts with our spiritual health and well-being after abortion.
1: Absolutely, and I I want to start with saying I just read that underneath most physical conditions is a mental and emotional issue. We are full beings, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically. And so, and most pastors would recognize that. And so to ignore the fact that we, you know, because we don't have that spiritual component yet, or we don't understand the significance of whatever spiritual brokenness there is. It doesn't mean that we can't start somewhere, and I think that's where the abortion healing movement has really kind of been, um, you know, just behind a little bit from the mental health piece. And I'll tell you why, Kim. And, and it, it's not—it's not something that um, that I think you know would have stayed this way, but it started here, and we're growing slowly. You know, so many of the organizations that have been birthed out of um, for abortion healing are out of the hearts of women who had an abortion and really felt called to create a program. And so for 50 years, we've had abortion healing being birthed out of these places with people who didn't have the clinical understanding, with people that were fighting the rhetoric in our country. And it was just about getting those people who were living in those desperate places help. And that has been the focus. It really hasn't been recent and until recently when you know we've seen Roe and first Wade come to the head, all of the news channels have been talking about it and we came on the front court after abortion, that we're collectively bringing this as a conversation piece because for so long the mental health community has said abortion doesn't hurt people. We're not identifying it as an issue that people are struggling with. They reference the turning point study all the time saying women feel relief. Um, versus the pain of abortion. And so there's been a lot of contention over those conversations. And, you know, the political realm is all intertwined in that. And so I would say that having been in this work now, there is no doubt in my mind that abortion hurts people. And it really does depend on how you um, have been resourced and what kind of things have happened to you in your past. Most women that I talk to that have experienced abortion have some sort of sexual abuse or sexual exploitation. Not all, but all of them do have some sort of trauma in their background that left them vulnerable to early sexual activity, left them vulnerable to um, codependent relationships, and left them vulnerable to make a decision in an instant because they were afraid. And so it's really important that we understand that Abortion isn't just a church issue, it's an everyone issue, and, and we need to reach out to everyone. Um, and if it's anything like my story, I had major father wounds, Kim, and that kept me from really understanding who my Heavenly Father was for a long time, and until, until I started receiving healing through a therapist, did I start to understand who my Heavenly Father could be and the word that I was reading in the Bible. And I see that for many of the clients I serve, um, that they have been wounded so, so like, just so troubled by the things from their past that it's hard to understand that there even is a God that loves them the way that people are saying they do. And to be forced to read Scripture and that sort of thing right off the bat, it's too much. It's overwhelming for them.
0: Mm-hmm. I, and I see that, and I, and I have seen that in, in leading groups, um, mm-hmm. and you'll see people not return as a result yep. of that. Um, You know, a testimony such as, well, I prayed that God would provide a way out, and he didn't. So mm-hmm. I don't believe anymore. You know, I mean, where the abortion was a true crisis of faith. And mm-hmm. you can tell that this is hurt and grief and confusion underneath it. And that, yes, starting, let's open our Bible, is not the starting place that's going to be effective with this individual. I mean... You know, from their point of view, it does make us look almost silly, um, yeah. and certainly insensitive. Lisa Rowe is our guest, and she's the CEO of Support After Abortion and a licensed clinical social worker, bringing together mental health resources as well as uh, providing many, many other types of help and solutions to pregnancy resource centers, to faith-based groups, but also uh, to organizations that are not, that are uh, more about reproductive loss and grief And as I think about this, uh, Lisa, it's like, I don't know if you're the person or the organization to do it, but don't we really need to retrofit the organizations that are licensing mental health professionals to include abortion care, you know, abortion-wounded care? Because for a long time, the official position of the American Psychological Association has been no problem. And um, it's really working against those professionals even who do have the vision that they're is a need for help.
1: Absolutely. In fact, we do a monthly clinical training for clinicians who are just beginning to embark on this journey or maybe have been and felt isolated in their experience. I've also partnered with Alan Parker to write a white paper that says it's actually our legal and ethical responsibilities as clinicians to ask if our clients are presenting with substance abuse, suicidal ideation, grief, and loss, and a number of other uh, eating disorders symptoms. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. um, That we are, we should be asking on our intake form, have you experienced reproductive loss, specifically abortion? And unfortunately, Kim, it's not something that's being taught in our schools. And I am a product of that. And uh, I can't tell you how many clinicians I come across that say the very same thing. I thought I was alone in this journey. And certainly I have found out that's not the case. So many clinicians don't even know to ask.
0: Well, you are in the vanguard, and it's the same way at seminary. So we're expecting pastors to know things that they weren't taught. I love um, that
1: comparison.
0: And, yes. and I think for anyone listening who is abortion wounded or who has healed after an abortion, just understand the value of what it is that you know from your experience in educating clinicians as well as pastoral um, helpers. And for me, the great irony is that those are the people I avoided most because of the shame of it. Mm -hmm. And yet we we who have been abortion wounded have much to say in order to help and educate. Lisa, we're just about out of time, but uh, I want to give you the chance just to maybe talk about resources or where you would direct people for your social media, um, how to get in touch with support after abortion.
1: Absolutely. And Kim, you mentioned those that are listening that have experienced abortion or other reproductive losses. And if you've never heard um, from anyone before, I'd like to just say I'm so sorry for your loss. You are not alone and there is support. We're available at supportafterabortion.com. If you're a leader and you're listening, pastors, therapists, pregnancy center directors and the like, please visit us as well at supportafterabortion.com. We have a monthly meeting at no cost to you where we will resource you. We also have a training website, and uh, we would very much love to journey this uh, process with you.
0: Lisa, thank you so much for the work you do and for helping us to understand it today. We'll uh, post more information for those who need to know at cradlemyheart.org. Lisa Rowe is our guest today. Thanks for being with us. This is Cradle My Heart Radio with Kim Catola. Preventing Abortion and Helping Those It Hurts. Please get in touch with Kim. Find out more at cradlemyheart.org. You can listen to the podcast on all platforms.